Thank you, Al. Uh, it's a great joy for Ash and I uh, to be back with you. We live in the greater uh, DC area, Washington DC area. So we've been away for the last few monumental days. And uh, we're here with uh, Jordan and Serena and uh, uh, Jen over there. And as soon as we're appointing deacons in our church, which hopefully isn't too far away, uh, Jen's at the top of the list for that. And thanks again for Eric and Celeste. Uh, we've thanked you before for them, but uh, you grew them so well at Southlands and now we're, we're beneficiaries of uh, all their maturity and they're bringing so much to our church. So thanks a lot for them. How are you enjoying Sam and Becky, by the way? <laughs> Sam and Becky, we're missing you so much. Um, we've told you this, but, but so many people sent love to you. And uh, the, your friends back at home at Monument are, are so hoping you're doing well. And uh, we told them you were, but to, to see you in situ here with your new family just wonderful and the friends you're making and the, the worship you're leading let's get into God's word and we're reading the last chapter of the book of Jonah if you remember God calls Jonah to preach to the Ninevites Jonah said no he said I won't live I won't go where you want me to go Lord so he ran in the other direction and the Lord sent a storm to intercept his boat and then sent a whale to intercept him and the whale swam and brought him and vomited him up on the beach of Nineveh he preaches in Nineveh and revival essentially hits the city it's everything you could hope for as a preacher so we now find Jonah in chapter 4 in a state that we did not expect because the preceding verse end of chapter 3 said everything had gone so well in Nineveh but Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. Oh, by the way, this message is entitled Jonah's Meltdown and How to Avoid Having One of Those Yourself in 20 Crazy 20. Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God slow to anger and abounding in love a God who relents from sending calamity so you understanding what's going on here God has just pardoned the great city of Nineveh rather than nuking them God has pardoned them and Jonah's now saying I knew you were kind verse 3 now O Lord take away my life for it is better for me to please fill in the, the gap it is better for me to than to live but the Lord replied have you any right to be angry Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city there he made himself a shelter and sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city then the Lord God provided a vine made it grow over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort Jonah was very happy about the vine but at dawn the next day God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind. The sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to and said it would be better for me to than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you have any right to be angry about the vine? I do. <laughs> Note to self, if God asks you a question like that, do not reply. I do. I do, he said. I am angry enough to 
But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this vine, though you didn't tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? I'm going to pray. Father, would you please stabilize us? Help us to learn from this chapter about how not to have a meltdown like Jonah's. Thank you so much for your compassion to Jonah. Clearly he came through it. We thank you that you brought him through it. And I pray that you would stabilize and strengthen us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to feed on this passage under a few headings. Stabilizer number one, make Jesus your only Lord. That's the ultimate stabilizer. If I could only mention one, I would go for this stabilizer. What do I mean by that? Well, Jonah's meltdown, I think it had some facets to it, but the primary reason for his, his suicidal tendency, his, his, his significant depression, the primary reason was that God didn't blot out the Ninevites like he wanted them to, God to. So he had a racial, political loathing for this group of people called the Ninevites. And with good reason, the Ninevites were cruel. They were barbaric on the battlefield towards Israel. They were economic bullies towards Israel. Jonah hated that people group to the point where we must just see the depth of his loathing for this people group to the point where he was devastated that God was kind to them he was devastated that God treated them in a way that he didn't want them to be treated now I don't know what your equivalent of that is I guess it's possible just in our politically charged nation that we can harbor thoughts like that against the political group in the nation or a race, a, a, an ethnic group in the nation. I do hope that isn't the case. But if you found yourself drifting in that direction, this passage can help you. For many of us, I'd imagine that the thing that we want God to do, it could be in another area, area of family or job or finance or ministry or something. Jonah got to a place in his life where a big thing that he hoped for didn't happen. God didn't do what he wanted. And he went wheels up. He melted down. He flipped out. Pick your metaphor. The thing he wanted to happen didn't happen. He got angry, depressed, lost his will to live. So, uh, my legs... I'm a, I, I'm a Christ follower. I must have my left leg, not just on Jesus, but in Jesus. And then I must have my other foot on things, not in things. On things, family, who I vote for, ministry, career, finance, physical health. If I'm all just Jesus, 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 I, I'm no, of no earthly good. I need to engage in politics, family, etc., etc., etc. But I must have my weight on those things, not in those things. Jesus, I must have my weight not just on, but in. 
Think of Jesus as a column of wet concrete. I need to put my leg in, sink down, 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 up to mid-thigh. Because if it's below my knee and my weight's on one of these things and it doesn't go the way I want, the carpet gets pulled out, I will fall over. My knee will break. I need it above the knee, mid-thigh. Then when something doesn't go my way, I shake and I quake, but I don't fall over because my life is built on Jesus. Friends, we are heading for heartache, heartbreak even, if we put our weight in these things and not in Jesus. Because then when the election goes the way I don't want it to go, over I go. When my physical health takes a turn that I don't want it to go, over I go. But if I'm up to mid-thigh in Jesus, he is my Lord. We put our weight our primary weight on Jesus. That's what it means to worship Jesus, to have Jesus as our Lord. So that's the first stabilizer, primary weight on Jesus, amen? Second stabilizer, build in physical and emotional rhythms of rest. God has made you and I an, integra an integral, integrated blend of spiritual, physical, and emotional. And they are separate, but it's also quite hard to know where one begins and the other ends. God has made us not just spiritual, but physical and emotional beings. Jonah had gone through a great deal in the recent days, hadn't he? The strain of running away from God. How many of us know the strain of disobedience? Then the strain of being on a ship that nearly sunk in a storm. He actually then said to the sailors on the boat, this storm is a sign of God's wrath against me. And he said to the sailors, throw me overboard. I'll die that you may live. Imagine knowing you're going to die. The sailors throw him overboard. He sinks into the water. He thinks he's a goner. And then a whale takes him. Imagine the, the emotional strain of that. You think you're going to be bitten in half, but you get through the teeth, into the mouth, and then down into the intestine, and, and you're alive. But it's not fun in there it's acidic it stinks it's claustrophobic surely he thought he only had hours to live and it was going to be a slow painful death in the fish's belly then he gets vomited out onto the beach of Nineveh imagine the, just the trauma on his emotions and body and then all the terror of preaching to the arch enemies of Israel. They weren't squeamish in those days. If they didn't like what he said, they'd have just cut off his head and stuck him on a pole in the marketplace. And then the euphoria of 120,000 people listening to him. And then we find a Monday morning collapsing in a heap and a part of it had to be physical and emotional. The man is having a meltdown. He's overreacting at small things. Sunburn. He wants to die because he's getting sunburned. When you're burning out, the smallest things can push you over the edge. He's got a distorted view of reality. Honestly, he wished that thousands of people would die. He's totally self-absorbed. This is a meltdown. I think it's the best view we get of a meltdown in Scripture, with the possible exception of 1 Kings 19, when Elijah, another man of God, 
had a meltdown. He just had an epic victory. He, he went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree and sat down under it and prayed that he might, any guesses? I have had enough, Lord, he said, take my life. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. And God sent an angel. And listen, look, listen to what the angel did. I thought it was going to say the angel prayed that the Spirit of God might fill him afresh. The angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate, drank and lay down again. Do you see what the Lord sent the angel to do? You need to take some time off, said the angel. You need to sleep. You need to eat better and drink sensibly. Eat, sleep, move. There's two ways I've found to help PJ Smythe be more godly, more patient and more kind. Uh, the first is to pray for more of the Spirit because fruit of the Spirit is, is patience and other fruit of the Spirit is kindness. Spirit of God, more sap of the Spirit in me, please, that I would bear the fruits of patience and kindness better. That's the first way. The second way is for me to get a good night's sleep. I am more patient and I'm more kind when I'm rested. The second way is for me to take decent leave and switch off. I'm more godly, more patient, more kind when I've had decent time off. The second way is for me to eat sensibly. When my blood sugar's doing better, I'm more patient and more kind. Don't be so over-spiritual that we neglect something which is actually spiritual, which is physical and emotional. Charles Spurgeon, the great late London preacher, he spoke of walks in nature and the wind in our faces and time off and rest as great remedies that are too often neglected. Integral blend of spirit, physical and emotional. Take care also of the physical and the emotional. Stabilizer three, settle that you will always be a work in progress. I think when I read chapter four of Jonah, I thought, I thought, Jonah, you're unwilling in chapter four to receive correction from the Lord. So God is being so gentle with him, not ticking him off, but asking him questions. Have you any right to be angry? Isn't that gentle of God to correct him like that? And Jonah, rather than listening and saying, I've got stuff to learn, he says, yes, I do have a right to be angry. Now, I can empathize with Jonah. Maybe you can as well. He's had a fantastic last two days. Saturday, he's in the belly of the whale, and he's getting right with God. He's praying a scripturally rich prayer. He comes to a place of surrender to God. Wonderful. Sunday, he preaches all day in the great city of Nineveh. Revival. Great day. So spiritual. Great day. So spiritual. Monday, it's... God, I don't have much to learn from you anymore. In fact, you've got a few things to learn from me. <laughs> it's like, is this the same guy? Respected prophet, respected prophet, completely childish, petulant man. Is this the same Jonah? Yeah, it's the same Jonah. Can you relate? Maybe you lead a small group, and on Wednesday night, you lead your engaged group it's like you are so anointed everything you say it's just like it's like the spirit drips from your mouth like honey 
and your people sit at your feet and just think you are amazing then they go home at 9.30 and 10 o'clock you're kicking your dog or shouting at your kid and you think oh my goodness what's going on I was so anointed two hours ago and now I'm mean what's going on am I really saved yes you're saved it's called being a work in progress you're going to be a work in progress till you get to heaven when you disappoint yourself and others lean into the grace of God you are a work in progress I'm friendly with a church in South Africa um, small town four or five hundred people in the church wonderful pastor they'd pastored the church so well for many years godly guy bit melancholic up and down like Jonah but one day he had a meltdown he was going through a tough time personally leading this church and uh, a woman driver cut across him and he got road rage and he wound, wound down his window and shouted out the window you stupid cow <laughs> don't tell me you've never thought a similar thought you might not have said it but he actually said it so the woman knew him it gets worse the woman was in the church it gets better the woman had been in the church for a long time and how do you think she responded well she called him up and said how are you doing you're right she didn't present charges against this elder to the elders she knew her pastor was also a work in progress now he apologized to her he was gutted by it and she said that's absolutely fine I too am a work in progress she was a mature woman it's so mature to realize that you can be on it on Saturday rocking on Sunday and a work in progress on Monday it's called maturity to recognize that sometimes serious charges do need to be brought against those in leadership that was not one of them he was having a Jonah chapter 4 moment he was having an Elijah moment he needed some sleep some time off and then, you know what they did word went round the town went round the church like wildfire and so on Sunday two elders hired a, a cow pantomime suit you know when the guy at the back is like this and the guy at the front is like this and they came in and everyone went moo 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 and it was an expression of love to the bastard there was also conviction in it but I, I was there and I just thought this is a very mature way <laughs> of handling a very tricky situation do you see that do not think that a respected prophet in Israel called Jonah can't have a bad day but he needed to realize and we need to realize that we are all works in progress we don't let each other off the hook on things that was he was really sorry for what he said I think I think we get the point though that we can handle these things especially these meltdowny moments in the grace of God stabilizer number four acquire a big displacing and evangelistic vision did you notice how Jonah was self-absorbed with things that were going wrong in his life very happy about the new house he had got the vine but then not, not happy about the mortgage and then something went wrong at work and then he got sunburn I'm toggling between what really happened and application for us and he got totally self-absorbed 
another way of saying it uh, he got totally self-absorbed because the focus of his life was himself and God, God says to him you're concerned about the vine but you're not concerned about Nineveh why aren't you concerned? I'm concerned, Jonah, about the great state of California. I'm concerned about people who don't know Jesus in the Brea area. And Jonah was just self-absorbed. Another way of saying it is, if you make God's agenda your agenda, you won't sweat the small stuff so bad. Another way of saying it is a hunting dog doesn't even know he's got fleas. The fleas bite, don't they? Frustration in life, frustration in, at home, at work, these things, not enough money, political annoyance, that local official, that. Look, life is full of being bitten by fleas. And if we don't have a big, displacing, evangelistic vision, if we don't get on the hunt with Jesus, we'll spend the majority of our time feeling flea bites in an exaggerated way. But when you get on the hunt with Jesus, Lord, I'm giving my life for you. I'm on your mission. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm here for, Lord. The fleas don't stop biting, but you just don't feel them anything like as much. Keep going, Southlands, with your great displacing evangelistic vision. Uh, number five, be in team, be in community. No criticism of Jonah. It doesn't seem that he had the opportunity to be with another. You know, Jesus sent them out. Was it one by one or two by two? Just checking we got that. Two by two is good. It doesn't look like he had the opportunity to go out two by two, but it's a good moment just, just for us to shine the light on the privilege of friendship and community. I do better because I've got fellow elders. I do better because we're not doing it alone. I do better because I, I have a wife. I do better because I have friends. And I just wonder if Jonah had a friend with him in chapter four, I think it could have read differently. I think it could have read like this. And the two walked out of the city gates, amazed and rejoicing together. Then Jonah began to get grumpy pence with God. And his friend said to him, Verily, Jonah, I've known you a long time, Joe, bro. You often get like this after a weekend of ministry. <laughs> you often get like this when there's a different disappointment in your life. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for my brother Jonah. Thank you for all how you've used him. And I pray now he would just zip it and not get cheeky with you or me or himself. I just pray for peace to be on him in Jesus name and I think amen I think Joe would have gone thanks brother that helps me isn't it great to have people around, around us who know us being in, in an engaged group Zoom is way better than nothing meet with others with masks on it's way better than not meeting together if you can't sing with a mask on think worshipful thoughts <laughs> To be in the room we fight for this being in the room is wonderful if you can't be in the room be, be, be online community friendship is such a blessing to us especially in difficult years difficult seasons stabilizer six be in scripture man when I saw this 
was such help to me. Jonah prays two prayers of distress to God in the four chapter book. One is chapter two, belly of the whale. One is chapter four, outside the city. Here, he's just praying charismatic, spontaneous prayers. Just whatever he feels like. And as a result, the prayer is Jonah-focused, emotion-driven and takes him to a not very helpful place. Chapter two, prayer of distress in the belly of the whale. But every line of his prayer was from the book of Psalms. So he obviously knew some Psalms off by heart because he didn't you know, whip out his book of Psalms in the belly of the whale. But you read the prayer in chapter two and he, he uses a cluster of verses from Psalm 18 and from other Psalms. And the prayer, it's still him praying to the Lord, but he's, he's allowing the word of God to shape the way he prays. And it's still full of emotion as the Psalms are, but it ends up in a God-glorifying, soul-stabilizing place. The point, let's be in the word and let's use the word in the way we pray. I was... Uh, Group, with a group of guys with um, Jordan a few days ago uh, praying together and um, it's a bit of a tumultuous time in our nation and you know we're creaking and aching as a church and with COVID and all sorts and I said guys look I don't, I don't want to be legalistic in telling you how to pray but I want to read these five verses of a psalm, Psalm 145 and then can we all pray only prayers out of this psalm? And it was such a great discipline for us. We don't always do that. Often we free will. But to allow that sh psalm to shape how we prayed, it, it was like we were praying and listening to the word of God all at the same time. And it did us such good. And then once we'd each prayed a prayer out of that psalm, we were sort of aligned. Then we free wheeled and, and prayed for like another 30 minutes or something. It was glorious the word of God. Stabilizer number seven, come to the great Jonah. Remember stabilizer number one, make Jesus your only Lord. This one's almost the same. <laughs> but it's not just make him Lord, it's come to him. You know, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And for those of us who are exploring Christianity, this is key intel for you as you're trying to work out whether to become a Christian or not that Christianity is coming to the God-man, the person of Jesus Christ, not coming to some rules and regulations or a system of religion. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And I'm calling Jesus the great Jonah here because Jesus in the New Testament spoke of the sign of Jonah to describe himself, to draw attention to himself. And a sign points, doesn't it? Jesus was saying the book of Jonah is a sign pointing to Jesus. Well, how do you get from Jonah to Jesus? I mean, Jonah was a disaster. Jesus is amazing. Well, there was something, something very special in the story of Jonah, the historical story of Jonah, that was mini-Jesus. That Jonah, at one of his best moments in the book, said to the sailors, this life-threatening storm is actually the wrath of God against me throw me overboard 
that the wrath of God would land on me and your lives will be spared. Does that ring any bells? Let the wrath of God fall on me that it might not fall on you. Ringing any bells? That's the great Jonah. He died on the cross that the wrath of God against your sin fell on him that you might never die. He died that you might never die. He received the full wrath of God against your sin that you might not receive the wrath of God against your sin. The sign of Jonah. Jonah gave his life for a few sailors. Jesus gave his life for all who would put their faith in him. Jesus came to the city of Nineveh. Jesus, Jonah went to the city of Nineveh, sent by the Lord. Jesus came willingly to the city of earth that any who would put their faith in him might be forgiven of their sins and be given the gift of eternal life. Come to the great Jonah. If you're not yet a Christian, to become a Christian, come to Jesus and say, please, Jesus, take the wrath of God on yourself. Forgive me of my sin. That's what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on the cross. Come to Jesus, the great Jonah. And if you are already a Christ follower, come to him afresh. How do you avoid a meltdown? You draw on the grace of God. Draw on the goodness of God. I tell it to a guy just in between meetings. He came, he'd listened to this in the first meeting and he came to me afterwards and he said, listen, I'm depressed and I'm lonely and I'm sad. What should I do? And I said, I don't have anything to improve on other than what I said. And he said, yeah, come to Jesus, yeah. And he said, man, you know what he said? He said, I think I'm only calf deep in Jesus. He said, I need to sink deeper into him. He said, I, I need to get my knee under the concrete of Jesus and let it set. That's what he said. And I said, with great wisdom, that's right. <laughs> Come to Jesus. Sink, sink into Jesus. More weight on Jesus. Yes, politics, yes, family, yes, yes. But where's our weight? It's on Jesus. Okay, now you don't all have to stand up, but I want you in your head and heart to do this as we take communion. That's why we take communion, isn't it? Bread, representing the body, blood, representing uh, juice, representing the blood of Jesus. Have, we, have you all got those little things? By the way, good luck getting into them. If you're good enough, if you can figure out how to get that wafer and how to drink that juice, good for you. But friends, as we take communion, maybe Alan can help us with this, but I just want us to be leaning, leaning into the concrete of Jesus as we take communion.